Thoughts and Cushions. This is Phil Sofa Talk. I'm your host, CJ. Continuing today, we move along our Abrahamic uh, block of philosophy here. Joining me today is former pastor Matt Williams, also known as Rocket Mr. Magic of the original Jeek podcast. Matt, thanks so much for being here with me today. How are you? CJ, I am great. I appreciate uh, you inviting me and excited to uh, to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. It's been remarkably difficult to get people uh, either currently leading uh, religious uh, congregations or f- or former leaders. Like I, I, it's been really difficult to be like, Hey, do you want to come on here and and talk some philosophy about the thing that you believe in? They're like, no. Yeah. It's, it's always been at least my, I shouldn't say always. It's in my, my experience, getting people to talk about the why behind their what um, across the board is generally not easy. Um, a lot of people tend to be grandfathered into things. Um, it's what they grew up seeing. It's what their friends did or their friends liked. And they kind of went along for the ride. And out of, you know, tribalism, culture, force of habit, lack of options, they kind of find themselves in certain things and not are always established in the root of why they should or should not cling to a particular fandom or philosophy uh, or even, you know, way to cook meat. (laughs) Or which ones to eat. Yeah. Or, or which ones to eat. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Well, fortunately uh, we're not really diving super deep into a lot of stuff like that. So, I know we didn't really do a whole lot of preliminary. You just kind of like agreed to come on. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. Um, but uh, so my my theme for season one is Aristotle's policy of live well. And are you familiar with Aristotle at all? Of course. Okay. So you know that like his live well policy isn't like uh, a specific thing. Like these are the guidelines and what you have to do. His live well means live well as the individual. You know, what is good for you? So I really wanted to explore a lot of these different walks of life and something that I feel is underrepresented in the classical philosophy and modern philosophy scene is religious philosophy. Mm. Obviously it has its niche, uh, people who indulge in religious philosophy and, you know, obviously faith talk about it quite a bit, but it doesn't expand out into outside philosophical conversations beyond that point in my experience. Um, and when it gets brought up, a lot of that is like, well, we're not really talking about metaphysics right now. And we're not talking about that. And it's like, well, I'm not talking about that either. But this particular faith sort of has this way of thinking. And I think it's relevant to the conversation. They're like, it's not because it's religious. It's like, okay. Uh, so really what I wanted to talk about with you today is what does it mean to live well as a Christian? And how does, how does Christianity as a whole teach you? you know, basically how to be like a decent person, like what is expected of you to live well as a Christian? That's an excellent question. Um, well, 
(laughs) And that question would and likely would be answered very differently from a lot of different um, perspectives. Um, It also could be given a very simple answer. So I'm going to give you the simple, the simplest answer up front. Um, and then as you ask for the questions, we'll probably peel more layers to, to the onion. Um, but the, the easiest, simplest answer um, for a Christian aspect of living well would be to follow, would be to living out um, Matthew 22, 37 and 39. Uh, which for those who don't know will be love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Um, this is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like it, um, love your neighbor as yourself. That would be the simplest explanation for living well as a Christian, loving God with everything, with all your being and loving your neighbor. Uh, that really is what so many things um, boil down to. Um, within Christianity is love and expressing love and how we express love and how we express love to God uh, and to our, to our neighbors and then ultimately to ourselves. Uh, just, just to clarify, if you could elucidate for me a little bit here on the yeah. aspect of loving your neighbor, is that more literal or is that more metaphorical for like your community as a whole? Excellent question. Um, so, a lot of there, there's a lot there's a lot of de- I can't call it debate because um, I think one side is ridiculous, but we're gonna call it debate because it's not a better word. Um, loving your neighbor in a biblical aspect, because when you t- put the tagline Christian on it, that literally means anybody who claims to be a Christian makes this a quote unquote Christian aspect. So. The answers I'm going to give you, I'll preface, the answers I'm going to give are all going to be biblically structured and biblically based and not from a quote-unquote Christian because Christian, unfortunately, especially in Western Christianity, a lot of times means a particular uh, not not biblically supported thought process or doctrine or tradition that has been labeled Christian because a large group of quote-unquote Christians do said thing or believe said thing. So biblically speaking, your neighbor um, is, is anyone around you. Um, and when, and, and again, in the Bible, when the Pharisees asked Jesus, who was my neighbor? Um, his response was the, the very popular, um, even in popular culture, the very popular parable of the good Samaritan. Then that was how Jesus answered the question of who is my neighbor. Um, and then for anyone listening who does not know the historical context, Samaritans were essentially the um, redheaded step cousins of of the of the Hebrews, and they were looked down upon as lower class people. They were not treated well. Um, and then the Samaritan in the story ends up, you know sacrificing his time, his money, his effort bandaging up, you know, a Jew that was robbed on the on the road by robbers and others had already others who should have helped being, you know, rabbi, you know, uh, a scribe and such who did not help um the Samaritan who had no reason to help 
stopped and helped. So that is how Jesus answered that question. Everyone around is your neighbor. You don't have to like your neighbor um, to, to help them. You don't have to be friends with your neighbor to help them, to, to show God's love to them. And honestly, sometimes the best way to show God's love is to help people who you don't agree with, you don't like, because that is a true act of unselfishness. Uh, it's a true act of love um, to take time, something you can, a commodity you can never get back, resources that God has blessed you with uh, to put something positive into that a person's life who who was in need. So uh, there there's t-shirts out there that says, you know, love your neighbors, you know, love your uh, poor neighbor, your gay neighbor, your trans neighbor, your, you know, a lot of the hot button topic things that are um, talked about right now in, in the, uh, you know, in the Christian space, especially on, on Twitter, um, a lot of the trending topics, you know, people going back and forth, well, what's sin, what's not sin. Um, those people, the people that are, are living uh, a sinful lifestyle or from the way I see it is anybody who is outside of the faith, that does not mean you don't show God's love to them. There's nothing biblical that supports you not loving them uh, the way Jesus loved them and the way God tells you to love them. So that's who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is literally anybody um, that you can impact. So my, I'm, I'm, I talk too much. I'm going to shorten my definition <laughs> is taking Jesus' definition. I add my own little spin to it. And I take Jesus' definition. I say, everyone, who, your neighbor is everyone that you can touch within your sphere of influence. That's, that's who your neighbor is. Because obviously everyone is everyone. I can't t touch every single of the 7 billion people on this planet, but I can touch the people within my sphere of influence. So um, that is who my neighbor is. Anyone within my sphere of influence. That's a really interesting thought uh, like, and, and like way to take it. And it's, it's very similar um, to how uh, the Jewish faith viewed it uh, in the previous episode when I sat down with uh, Rabbi Tornberg. It and should had be. that conversation where there was very uh, community. Um, yes. Everything is about supporting the community, uh, even if you, you could still be a good Jew, even if you didn't believe in God, simply by showing love to your community in the, in the same capacity you were just talking about. And, you know, and I really do think that it is important to support our LGBTQ uh, plus community uh, as well, I think they get disregarded quite a bit and, you know, oftentimes are, are even violently punished for being who they are. So it's really nice to hear that somebody else, especially out of the Christian faith, because we do know that that really is a polarizing oh, it's topic. A, it's, a, it's, a hot, it's a hot topic. It's a oh, hot it topic. Um, I have, you know, I, it's funny. I have lost, I have lost, quote unquote, I mean, guys never call them friends. I've lost acquaintances within Christianity who don't want who choose not to talk to me because uh not because I agree that homosexuality is okay. Because I from you know, I don't from a biblical perspective, it's not okay. It's it's sinful. But because I'm not a jerk to people who are living that, uh I'm all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm a pariah. I'm, I'm, I'm 
condoning or like, like which just from a biblical perspective makes zero sense where, you know, I have worked um, and have, you know, acquaintances um, and I don't use the word friends lightly. So that's why I say acquaintances, because like, if I'm not at your crib, like once a month, like we really ain't friends. Um, right, right. <laughs> if, we're, if we don't, if we don't talk at least weekly, we ain't like, we ain't friends like that. Like we're cool. We're acquaintances, but like, I, I have very few friends and I have a, I have some really close acquaintances, closer acquaintances. And I have some just, you know, people that are acquaintances that I'm cool with. And because I've worked a lot of different places um, and I've worked a lot of places that are popular amongst the LBG, LBG, uh, I, I, I don't remember the letters. I apologize. I don't remember that within the queer community. I love that term because it encompasses and I don't have to know all those letters mm-hmm. uh, within the queer community. I've worked in places that were kind of popular here in the Valley for that community, like Apple, for example, I worked for Apple. A lot of people within the queer community, queer space, um, enjoy Apple products, work for Apple. And I've had made some great connections and some great uh, relationships with people, with my coworkers of that community who full knew from jump. I was a Christian. And then they were actually present when I moved into active ministry. Um, and also there when I moved out after, you know, two years after I moved out of active ministry and my love for them as people, as a creation of God um, didn't change my stance on, um, them actively engaging in homosexuality didn't change, but I continue to to love them and treat them properly as people. You know, I never, um, you know, didn't I don't harp on them to adhere to Judeo Christian um, beliefs because they're not confessing to believe that. Um, I personally don't believe it makes any sense. Um, or is biblically supported for Christians to uh, go around and uh, placing judgment upon others outside of the faith. That's God's job. And the Bible says God will do the judging. My, uh, that's not my job to, to do. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really, um, it's unfortunately in Western Christianity, it's, it's a surprising thought for people to, not have those uh, things be hot topic issues, but uh, just the queer, you know, example, it's, it's a really big one. And to me, just, it doesn't make sense because that's not how the Bible says that people come to God. You know, the Bible says that God's goodness is what turns men's hearts to repentance. And we are, uh, we as Christians are supposed to be a avenue of expressing and showing God's goodness uh, and God's grace daily to the world. And if we aren't showing that, we aren't reflecting that, how can those people come to God to get to a place towards repentance if we're not reflecting God's goodness? But I'm going to shut up because I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's not what I brought you here for. I just, I just want to kind of like break that down absolutely uh, into, into shorter terms here, uh, just to make sure that I understand what you're saying. So more or less what you're saying is, I don't agree with it because it doesn't align with my beliefs, but it's also not my place to tell, tell you that you're wrong. And it's not my place to judge you for the choices that you've made. And I can still love you as a human being and I can still be your friend without that being a problem between us. Right. Correct. Uh, And just to clarify it, like, so when people, when, when people say they tell you that you're wrong, so I'll give you, I'll give you an example in my, from my experience. Um, One of my former employers, I had a very outspoken, 
um, lesbian on the team. And um, I had uh, a straight woman who was very um, pushing for, you know, the, the, the queer, um, I don't want to say agenda, just for the cause. And um, as far as representation and such, and I had a woman who I was actually I was friends with. We, you know, our families got together during the summer for picnics and stuff. We were definitely friends at that point. Um, and she was a very, uh, very eighties evangelical, very blunt, not much tact, not much grace. Um, actually, uh, not grace, but not much kindness. And how she how she spoke, military woman. So part of that was her personality. But um, the lesbian went to knowing the other woman's stance, the 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 the, the military woman's stance. Pretty much tried to get a, a reaction to try to. Um, there was there was it wasn't there wasn't at, the question of sin or non sin wasn't asked in uh, in good faith. Um, right. And even though the military woman didn't know that. The she her response was not one of of love. It was um she so she was like, hey, what do you think of this? Is it sin? Is it okay? And the military woman was like, no, it's abomination. You gonna burn. Oh. And from both sides, I'm like, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, so I yeah. talked to so I talked I talked even though it wasn't my job. I wasn't even the boss yet. I wasn't even the supervisor yet. I talked to my, my boss talked to me about it because she was like, what? How should I handle this? And I said, well. Obviously, you 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 got you've got to you can't have her talking. You can't have the military woman talking like that. Like, you know, she's gonna go to she's going already. Owen's going to HR. Like, you have to talk to her about it. Like, you, she can't. She's got to be more tactful. But I ended up talking to both of them on a separate. I was like, first of all, like I know you did not ask that question in good faith. You knew what her answer was. You asked and set her up. So that's that's a problem. And I said to the other one, I said, look, like you can't, you 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 can't. One, you can't talk to people like that in a, in a business setting. Like that, like, we ain't we ain't at the crib, you know, around at at the barbecue talking, you know, candidly. Like this ain't this ain't the venue. But I said, but also just just as a Christian, yes, that would be the result at judgment. But we aren't there, and what we're supposed to be doing here is keep is is being. Being what you know, what Jesus says, being the light of the world, being the salt of the earth, helping people, guide people, so that when they are judged, that's not the result. Telling people that this is their future is not guiding them to to what Christianity was calling back in the early days before the term Christian came up, which was the way. Um, to and I, I always describe myself on my socials as a follower of the way. I, I don't even like to use the term Christianity, but it is the popular, most known term. Mm-hmm. Following the way, and that's derived because Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," um, defining the path to to God. Um, you can't get people to follow the way if you aren't, if you're just telling them, "Hey, at the end of at the end of this, bye." Like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's mm-hmm. not biblical. Like it's like, it just, it's rooted in, I'm here. You're not kind of, uh, you know, you know, turn and burn, um, which was really big. Um, in you know, the late seventies, eighties, that was a lot of how people were trying to evangelize, evangelize people. Um, and trying to scare people into, uh, repentance, you know, uh, we, we called it uh, 
as a young Christian, we called it fire insurance. People would go up and try to get fire insurance by just right. saying, I'm going to believe in Jesus because just because I don't want to end up in hell and then not coming to Christianity and making a conversion because they believed or because they were impacted by God's love, by God's grace, by God's mercifulness that had them then have a genuine conversion. A lot of people who get who go up and say, I believe in Jesus for fire insurance end up lasting for, you know, believing for two, three weeks. And then being like, yeah, I really don't believe that. Mm. It really sounds like your, your stance on that then is my faith dictates how I live my life. My faith does not dictate how you live your life, which sounds like you sort of live by like my main philosophy of mind your business. Um, y- yes. I, I, yes. And no. So, it's it's diff- yes when it comes to the outside world um and outside of the faith absolutely inside the faith is a whole different ball game inside the faith we're you know Christians are supposed to judge each other and then before we judge each other we're supposed to self-examine that we don't have um in paraphrasing a verse that we don't have a log sticking in log in our eye before we talk to our brother or sister about the speck that's in theirs mm. uh, but that's within that community because within that community, we're supposed to check each other. We're supposed to judge each other because we're supposed to hold each other accountable to make sure that we collectively are being the best light we can be, the best salt of the earth we can be so that other people can see the change that Jesus through and through the power of the Holy spirit living inside us makes. If there's, if they don't, if people don't see that there's a difference in us, the difference that Jesus makes in our lives why would they want to choose Jesus if there's no difference? If we don't, if there's something that we have that is different, we go, oh, you don't know, you know, we sing these songs, you don't know what Jesus has done for me, you don't know what he, what you know, what he's done spiritually, you don't know this, you don't know that. If they don't see it, you can talk it, but if they don't see that change, they don't see that difference, they're not going to want it because they, you look just like them and. Why would they make that choice if there's no difference between their life and your life? Right, right. Now, so, so, so when it comes to dealing with people who aren't Christians, it's very. I'm very much mind your business because my job is to be that light. And then if people then, and then people come to me and say, um, and I'm I'm just going to throw throw examples from my life. Um, so when I was working, I was working retail and I had a, a coworker, she was like, um, my, and you know, my nickname magic or rocking Mr. Magic, but, um, magic for short, one of my coworkers said, magic, I don't stand. Why are you always so happy? And I looked at her and, and I said, darling, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's, that's simply what it is. That's why I am always so exuberant and despite, you know, what life has given me and that's, I I live, I strive. I'm not going to say I live (laughs) because that would be lying. I strive (laughs) every day to live according to, according to the word, um, according to the Bible. I, I fail often, but that is truly, um, what, what we're supposed to do. The Bible says that, um, in many ways and, this one generally is used specifically for sin, but the Bible says that um, in Psalms, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I, am, that I might not sin against thee. Um, we're supposed to have, you know, and also the Bible, the Bible says that we are supposed to renew our minds daily. 
in the word, that we're supposed to continually be growing in within our faith. So it's supposed to be um, the driving factor in the Christian life is living according to to God's word and then impacting our sphere of influence by doing so. So just to tie that in, um, I had another worker from a different store come. First time I'd ever met her. We're talking. We're having, you know, good conversations. We're working well together. And this woman, Jewish woman, um, looked at me and was like, magic. I'm like, yeah. She goes, are you a Christian? And I'm like, and we hadn't, and mind, we hadn't talked about anything, you know, faith, you know, spirituality. And we hadn't talked about that at all. Like nothing had even come close to that subject. That's a very personal like, question to ask somebody off the rip. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, I mean, we had been working together, you know, I mean, it was close off to rip. We've been working together for like three hours <laughs> before she asked the question, but she was like, I was like, I was taken aback. Cause I was like, and here, so here's what was, so people outside watching that would see this woman ask me if I'm a Christian and they would hear me say, yes, I am. But that's, but inside my head, here's what's happening, CJ, because um, she asked me this question. And before I answer, I'm replaying in my mind what we said, what our interactions were. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I think I screwed this up because I wasn't exactly being the best Christian in that three hour interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people that know me know that I strive to control my tongue. I really don't cuss. Um, I do. I strive my best to not, you know, use negative words again, all biblically based. Um, but I know I cussed around this woman um, once or twice in that three hour interaction. Um, <laughs> I know that I was probably might've, might've been on a borderline of sometimes my friendly comes off looking very flirty. And sometimes my flirty can be, looking like it's just a little friendly. So I was like, did I, did I give a flirty vibe with her? Like I was like, I was trying to check myself. Like, like where did this come from? And did, and, and I'm self-examining myself in this short, you know, 30 seconds. Did I represent Christ properly to, to this woman? And so I gave her the answer. She goes, yep, I could tell. And then we just continued on the rest of the time. But you know, that, that night when I get home, I'm like, it was just a stark reminder of people are watching, people are examining. And if you are doing a decent job, they are going to see Christ in me. So despite the fact that I know I had fallen short in just that short three hour interaction, um, to my standards, um, and I, you know, I wasn't perfect, but I was, apparently I was able to let the light of, of Christ shine enough in that three hour interaction that she saw it, or at least she saw enough to recognize, I know where this guy's beliefs come from. I know where his, where he's coming from because I see it in how he interacts. So are, are you saying then that, um, when you're interacting with other people, it's, it's better to do it less with words and more through actions. Great. Um, because isn't there, there's, like a, there's like a Bible verse, right? That says like, yes, there, uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of verses. There's, there's, there's a lot of verses. Yeah. There's 633 yeah. commandments. Um, well, no, but, but, but specifically but, words. So like, it's a Western thing to say, like, 
you know, the Western thing of actions speak louder than words. We've all heard that. Um, it's not necessarily true. Um, well, the, the part that I'm referring to is like the part, I think it's what Jesus said that uh, the only way through, to, the only way to my father is through me, not through works or. Yes. Yeah, so Jesus said, I am, that, yeah, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes into the father except through, through me. Um, and there's a lot of verses as far as w- regarding works. Like, so um, Romans says, by grace, you are saved through faith, not that of works, lest any man should boast. So no one can come to, to, to God the Father except through accepting the grace of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Um, you can't earn your way to heaven. It's not works-based. Works is important because works shows um, your words and you know, your works show the change that Christ um, through, the, through the Holy Spirit does in your life. But you cannot earn your way there it's a gift that you have to accept and then you show that you have accepted that gift and that you love jesus said you show me you show how you love me by through following my commandments so in following jesus following the way loving our neighbor um feeding the poor visiting the taking care of the widows the orphans visiting those in prison um you know accepting the the immigrant those we in doing those things we are showing our love by following Jesus's commandments, we're showing how we love him by loving the people that he laid his life down for. Okay. Uh, can I ask you a really polarizing and absolutely extremely personal question? Go right ahead. Okay. So uh, we, we kind of have like a foundation here of what it is to live well as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Now you on a separate level, uh, have the additional trials and tribulations that come with that. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it's like to live as a black Christian man? Yes, absolutely. Um, like maybe how, no, 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 then, that, how that maybe, maybe you different. have different, uh, Oh, it's different. It's uh, very issues. different. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah definitely no, want to hear about this. Different. Thing. So, and it's, sh- so it should not, obviously it should not be different, but we live in, you know, we live in a fallen world. Um, well, should and shouldn't is one thing. What actually right. is <laughs> right? But what ha- exactly what happens is another. So, particularly in the, in Western um, uh, philosophy, Western society, um, it is definitely different. Um, so, speaking from my just my personal experience, um, it the difference is can it generally is very stark. Um, but the, I'm trying to see the best way to, to articulate this. Well, maybe uh, I can help with like a little bit of a question here. No, 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 no. I, it's not, it, I, I'm, I want to okay. make sure that I am, I was an English major, so I pride myself on, ex, pop, uh, on accurate expression. So. I, being, I, I say, I say this as a nutshell, as a particularly within the Black U, U.S. Christian space, being a Black Christian um, means that you really don't have outside of the the Black Church, you really don't have a home outside the Black Church. Um, it's very tough 
um, to be a very biblically minded uh, black Christian in the United States. Um, so, because, and, 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 and that's mainly, that's likely mostly because of the political aspects and how strong politics are within the United States and the in U.S. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, stereotypical. It's a very large generalization of how it is. It our, is. So, our government and leadership treats the black community over uh, other communities, including other minority communities, uh, at least at least how it's highlighted within our media. Yeah, it, no, absolutely. I mean, um, Malcolm X, you know, often is, is known for saying that, you know, high, I think Dr. King as well, you know, high noon on Sunday is the most segregated day in the United States. Um, and that still rings true to, to this day. Uh, but as a black Christian, you have uh, what is a, a, a Judeo-Christian um, belief system that is rooted in very what people would consider, would, would call conservative. Um, and the average black person in America, with uh, especially if they're uh, an African descendant of slavery, um, morally is morally on average more conservative than the average, you know, Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon, European, you know, European American, whatever term you want to use. Um, and that's because a great many of us, even if they're not following Christianity, a great many of us came up um, in church, influenced by you know mother, grandmother, grandfather, uncle, someone um, from within the black church and the black Christian church specifically. So morally, and they black we as black people are just in general more conservative. Um, now the stereotype is that we're more liberal because you know of the flow of politics and, and voting and things like that. So. Uh, a lot of churches, you know, they're like, oh, that's a Democrat church or whatever. And because of that, people think that black people in general are more liberal. In actuality, that's not the case. Um, it's that black people in general have been voting for people that are more likely to ben- to help us um, in our unique situation than those who we can p- pretty much are saying they're not going to. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, a, a fault. There's a niche there. And then there is the fact that you have a, a lot of uh, a lot of white people who still hold on to beliefs that they are that they are superior and that you know that, that you know and they try to base it on on the bible just like a lot of uh, slave owners and segregationists tried to base that on on the bible um and you have a other situation where you really have to wrestle with um, what the Bible says on justice and also what the Bible says on grace and forgiveness. And it's a very difficult place to, to navigate um, because the Bible does call in demand for justice. um, And the Bible also does call in demand for grace and forgiveness. Um, And that, and when you live in a country that, to this day, um, has never treated you or um, your brothers and sisters as uh, you know as people, um, you know as you know completely in the four hundred plus years that we've since we've been brought to this continent. Uh, 
it's difficult to show that grace and forgiveness or love at times, um, especially corporately. Individually, you can meet a really great person and have a great interaction and be like, you know what, I'm cool with this white guy, I'm cool with this white family. Um, but corporately, it gets it gets difficult. And there have been tons of people who I was cool with. And then I learned more. People I went to church with, people, you know, that were friends with like either my parents or, you know, people I sang in the church choir with people that, you know, I was at Bible study with and they were cool. You know, we talked, you know, around surface things, you know, we enjoyed some of the same movies or, you know, we, we enjoyed this or that, that was similar. Um, we thought, you know, we had discussions on all oh, pastors last sermon and what this meant to me and what it meant to them and had good interactions. But then as things, you know, progress and you hear more and polarizing things happen like Mike Brown, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and then you see these people saying that, you know, Breonna Taylor deserved to die and that, you know, George Floyd, you know, deserved to die or that, you know, that knee didn't kill him. He was drugs killed him like you. But that you was see, actually new for me. I haven't. Someone said Breonna Taylor deserved to die for what? Sleeping? Oh, yeah. They, they, she, she, she shouldn't have been there. She shows the wrong man. She deserved to die. She made her own bed. Oh, yeah. It's all it's all over it's all over Twitter, Facebook. Oh yeah, oh my absolutely. God. I I, uh, I maybe I didn't follow that case as closely as I probably should have, but like I never heard anybody say she deserved it for sleeping in a bed. Like they weren't even in the right house. Um, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, yeah, he, he, you know, um, uh, Jean, both of them, Jean. Like I mean, cop goes into the wrong house, kills him, kills a black man eating ice cream on his couch. Oh, she no, she wasn't she she wasn't wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. Like just that level and I'm like and 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 I you know and for for and for black people, this is not new. We've been talking about, you know, in particular, you know, um police brutality, police violence, police murdering us, um, and getting away with it, uh, with no repercussions. We've been talking about that forever. Um the difference is since the mid 2000s with the innovation of camera phones um the rest of the world gets to see what we've been talking about for all this time so you know as a black christian i've been you know saying this personally you know we've as black people have been saying it in our music our television shows our our movies um our you know our poems our our theater like any, any form of black entertainment that the United States in particular, but the world loves to consume, um, you know, in hip hop music, you know, you think the most popular black television shows in the Cosby show, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Good Times, Martin, Living Single, like every single one of these things mentions police violence, you know, um, in particular, you know, it mentions these things. And, you know, Family Matters mentions being mentions DWB, driving while black. Um, you know, Fresh Prince mentioned it like. So what we produce, what we what we come up, we've been telling the we've been saying these things forever. And now that people start to actually get a glimpse in, of what is happening to us, then they want to act like it's not happening or it's it's an aberration or no, that person should have done this or they brought this upon themselves. Oh, you know, 
I forget the name of the man, but you know, there was a brother who was lying on the ground, hands in the air, trying to take care of uh, a mentally ill patient and they shot him. He's lying on the ground on his back. His hands are in the air, still gets shot. He was complying. Didn't matter. Thank God he didn't die, but he was still shot. Uh, and the get in the, you know, and the cop goes off scot-free. Um, so it's, it's very, it can be very difficult in reconciling um, the, the faith with what's around because we have to, as Christians, as black Christians, we have to realize that unfortunately we are not one, a lot of us, like I'm likely not going to see, live to see the day where black people are treated completely as equals in this country. I'm very unlikely to see that day. Granted, I might, because I never thought I'd live to see a black president, and I did see that. But the likelihood is low that I will live to see the day where black people are truly treated as equal citizens in this country, or just um, a healing. As Malcolm X said, people think, people, someone asked Malcolm X about progress. And Malcolm said, if you stick a knife in my back nine inches and you pull it out six, that's not progress. Because you haven't even you haven't even done pulling the knife out. You even pull the knife out completely. That's still not progress. Progress does not start until you start to heal the wound. Um, and that the wound has never been healed. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about, um, about, you know, when, when someone is caught stealing in an early in mosaic law, people, if you got caught stealing to feed your family, um, you had to, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't kill you. They wouldn't punish you, but you had to pay back. Um, you could feed your family, but then you had to pay back. Um, you had to give reparation. You had to, you had to make it right. And you had to give extra. Um, America has stolen uh, 400 years um, off of black America and has not yet once tried to pull the knife out or repair the wound. Um, they've made a little attempt at repair for Japanese Americans uh, for internment, for certain Native American tribes, for the genocide caused, um, promised reparation for, for Black Americans and doggedly refused, gave reparations to slave owners, paid them for the loss of slaves. Um, and that generational wealth is active to this day, banks like Wells Fargo, Chase, and et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But not a dime to those who were very largely part of building and establishing the wealth um, in this still very young country. So it's, it's tough because we have to realize that some of that justice we're not going to see until we're on the other side of eternity, until, until the very end, until the end of the Bible. Like we may not see some of that justice be meted out until then. And that's not easy to swallow. Um, it's not easy as a black Christian to, offer for the, the forgiveness and grace and mercy that Christ commands us. Um, when, when people are in your face with their, with their racism or at, at the minimum, their prejudice and bigotry. Um, I've lived it. I currently, and I have no qualms about being transparent. I struggle with that to this day. Um, as a child, I moved to the Pittsburgh area and um, I moved out of a a balanced uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, 
where even though the church was primarily black, we had some white families there and there was no, there was, you know, there was no problem uh, for me as a young child, you know, seven, eight years old, moved to the Pittsburgh area, very segregated. And we move into a town that's pretty much 99% white. And all of a sudden I'm the N word this every day, go back to Africa, porch monkey, this and that. Um, which I had never experienced. My parents had not prepared me for. I I didn't know what's a thing. Um, and it drove me to be, to be suicidal at nine. And I still deal with the ramifications of seven years of living uh, in that area. And I still am, you know, thankfully, thank, you know, for my parents and um, Covenant Church of Pittsburgh, shout out to Bishop Garlington uh, and the leadership there that helped me, um, you know, through their spiritual guidance, um, trusting God and let a lot of the bitterness and hatred that I had developed in my heart um, to, to heal because, you know, that drove me to the other side to where I was, you know, wanting to join the new Black Panthers and I was very much, you know, um, you know, white man is the devil. And I was, I was going full, you know, full nation of Islam without joining the nation of Islam, um, you know, for like sixties version of the nation. And that's not what God wanted for me. And it's still been a, a struggle. Um, so when I, I get, I'm very sensitive. So when things happen to me, like a few years ago or my niece who I raised, she's white, um, you know, white is the driven snow and, you know, someone called the cops, followed me to my car because I took her to the store, called the cops, had the cops show my place um, because they assumed I kidnapped the little white child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they tried to play it off like uh, I was having a, a domestic dispute with my wife or girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah, this this child is, I think she was, this was 2017. So this was, it was end of 2017. So let's say six years ago, um, she was nine at the time there's no mistaking a nine-year-old child for a full grown woman um at all you know they assumed i kidnapped this child and followed me to my car got my license plate and called the police um and that that is a struggle to get by um and that happened six years ago, and it's and it still makes my blood boil because I shouldn't have to deal, um, I shouldn't have to continue to deal, you know, with that. Um, especially now, like now that child's fifteen years old, and now she looks more like a woman. So if I have to take, and I take that child often, I mean, she she has cerebral palsy, so I had to take her to therapy and such. And when I would take her to therapy, people would sometimes in the elevator ask her, like, "Are you okay?" Are, are you with him? Is is that, are you, and just because, you know, I must be stealing, you know, stealing white children left and right. Um, and it's, it's, it's not easy to go through. And then when it's somebody that you, that should be, you know, especially within the Christian faith, people that should not have these type of thoughts, um, should not have these mindsets because of what they claim they believe, but they do anyway. Um, that even that makes it even harder when you have people who um you get you get they tell on they tell on themselves you know um mm-hmm. you know there there was a a guy who was friends with my parents used to go to church with and 
you know, he told he, you know, on Facebook, he was going back and forth. And he ended up, he ended up telling on himself, and I knew it because I, I, I saw the signs and I, you know, I saw the vibe. But you know, he he believes that you know he believes we're that black, you know, black people are, you know, should, you know, should be thanking them for thanking white people for where we are right now. And we shouldn't complain. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, you know, woman that was friends with my parents talk about how I should be thankful that I'm, you know, you know, cause I was, I made a point as far as saying, if you, if your people would have left us alone, we wouldn't be having this problem. And she's like, well, you wouldn't be here. And I'm like, do you really think my life matters that much that I would not trade it for the millions of Native Americans from my mother's side. My grandmother was half Cherokee. The millions mm-hmm. of Native Americans, the genocide that happened on my from my Cherokee, Chickasaw, and Mohican background, and then the millions of Africans that you know that were impacted. You really think that I would not trade my life for theirs? Are you? kidding me right now like i should be like oh i'm so grateful that you brought us here because if not i wouldn't be here like like that's that, not that mind- necessarily true in itself i mean that like america was all about give us your tired your sick your poor but it, it, but it never all was. these different places all these different places all immigrated here so like there's always like that chance of like yeah you would have been here maybe some no, of your ancestors wouldn't have been but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been <laughs> the, the mix that I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been because like, you know, no, it, it, you know, especially during that time, like of my background, um, the only, uh, the only European I have in my background is Irish and they weren't looked upon, uh, highly either. Um, it took them a while to accumulate into, into, into whiteness. So, um, no, I, I wouldn't have been here and I gladly wouldn't have been here. Like, like I would make that trade in a hot second. Like it, like it just, just the way, and and the part that bothers me as a Christian is the part that they try to justify and reconcile that atrocity, those atrocities that took place, because it one of the end results is that I should I should reconcile it because one of the end results is my being here. Like that, just that thought process is insane. I should overlook multiple sins, kidnapping, selling people. Um, you know, uh, now I'm drawing a blank, but like, uh, just, just the, you know, the, the, the rapes of, of people, um, you know, like there's the murders that, you know, the black people and and natives and and such that were murdered, even the Irish that were mistreated and murdered. Um, like I should overlook that. I should be grateful for that because I'm here. It's just an insane non-biblical prospect to me like mm-hmm. and what and the problem is what they will do is they will take the bible and they will twist that because the bible says that all things work together for the good and what they'll do is they'll cut off the verse there and say well the bible says all things work together for the good and i said yes but it says more right you know and like and you have to completely take the verse in the full context because there's because that verse is not excusing or condoning or giving a carte blanche for people to do wrong, to do evil, and then be like, oh, but the end result is this. And unfortunately, as a black Christian in the, in America, that is a struggle because the majority, unfortunately, of white Christian America, and you can see it all over Twitter especially, says, you know, slavery, Even if they even say slavery was bad, there's a lot of them that say slavery was okay and good and stuff, but 
even if they say slavery was bad, they say, it, oh, but, you know, it's okay because we're here now and it's better and this and that. Like, no, it's not okay. You owe. And, and, that, and that's that. And A lot of people like to ignore the, the scientific fact that when you experience intense fear uh, or trauma, it actually encodes itself into your DNA. And that DNA is then passed on to your children. So quite literally, everything that your ancestors experienced, you carry in your DNA, and it creates uh, predispositions and fears and uh, even like skepticism when you look at certain things a certain way. It's, it's why we, people have a natural fear of snakes and spiders and things like that. It, it, it registers on a genetic level as dangerous and something to be feared. Uh, people don't take that into account that, you know, 400 years ago, uh, traumas were beaten into the black community and we're seeing that today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, and I, I don't confess. I mean, I've been doing this, this Christian walk, uh, since I was five years old. Um, and it's, it's, and, and dealing with it particularly, um, with the consciousness of being black and, and, and a Christian in this country since I was nine, uh, eight or nine. And, it's it's not it's not easy. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't stop doing it um, because you know God has shown Himself so present and prevalent and strong in my life that to to not to deny God would just be for me in my experience in my life would be utter foolishness. But um, I understand how so many people have turned away. Um, you know, and I and and I tell I talk to people who who don't know their history, don't especially of black people, and who generally obviously they generally, most of them don't care to know, but like I'll I'll talk to them about people who, should, and you know they're like oh this person you know they were okay but you know they were they believed this or they didn't believe that and they should have believed the Bible they should have believed Jesus, you know and that. And that's what a lot, a lot of people who like to deflect, what they say is, well, we shouldn't be talking about that. We should be preaching the gospel. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about that. We should be preaching the gospel. And I asked them simply the questions of, I asked them about Elijah Muhammad. And they're like, well, what about him? I said, well, Elijah Muhammad was a Baptist preacher. He was preaching the gospel. The KKK came. They destroyed his church. They destroyed him. They tried to kill him. And what did, what did the white church do? Nothing. All the images of Christ were white. All the images of God were white. All the images of the angels were white. He was taught that Jesus was white. And now this white Jesus, followed by white men, continually tried to harass and kill them, kill his, parish, kill his, kill his congregation, try to kill him. You, you think he wants to keep believing that white Jesus? Most people don't know Elijah Muhammad was a Christian before he started the Nation of Islam. Most people don't know Malcolm X is Malcolm Little's father. Um, El Haj Malik Shabazz's father was a pastor before he was murdered by the KKK. He came up in the Christian faith. Most people don't know that yet. They're, they're not distant ancestors were the ones who drove those people away from the Christian faith. They don't want to reconcile that. They don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. No, nowhere in, in popular culture do you see Christianity more prevalent than with black America. 
Uh, I have a Facebook group that's small, but uh, for for black nerds like myself, because uh, the black nerd space is very anti-Christian for a lot of reasons. But um, so I created a group that black Christian nerds can enjoy our nerdy fandoms and our faith simultaneously. And I, it's called for Christ for the culture. And um, I wanted, I'm going to do some more content with those in there. So I decided to do a little research recently on content that we can, you know, that we can like watch together and break down and, and discuss, but nowhere in media do you see the church more prevalent than within black, the black community and within black content. Any any black sitcom you have, you you see even even in modern times, there's a church episode, at least one, if not multiple. Black film, these Tyler Perry films, you think you know, like, and if there is black content being produced, there is some tie to the black church in America. It is a integral part of our history. And who we are as black Americans, particularly descendants of slavery. It is what kept uh, uh, so many of us going and gave us hope because the slave master gave us a slave Bible, you know, edited to make us try to be more docile. And what they did was they put the Bible, they put the word of God, they put the book of Exodus talking about God and Moses leading God through Moses, leading the people out of slavery which gave us hope, which is why they called um, Sister Harriet Tubman, why they called her Moses, mm. for leading the people to their freedom. Like, there's so many layers and context. Like, it, I, I could, you know, I'm, I'm going to shut up now because I could go on for a very, very long time. <laughs> well, you're definitely very, very passionate. <laughs> of of uh of just you know being black and being Christian in this country it's 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 a it's a it's a tough dichotomy to to say the least. Well, I definitely I definitely set this episode up to uh be like that. I honestly, when you said that you would come on to the show, I was like, oh, I I want to find a way to ask about this. I knew what I was getting into. Um, so I'm actually glad that you were able to go in as deep as you did and really really show like what it means to you. You know, because uh, I feel like. I feel like that when it comes to these platforms and stuff, unless mm-hmm. it's a black centric platform, we don't really have space for a conversation like this. At least that's how it appears. Well, that's how it is. It's, it's almost exactly how it is because most, most white people don't want to talk about it. Most look, people in general don't like being uncomfortable. And even though it's a platitude now to a certain extent, white people in general in this country don't like being made to feel uncomfortable in particular about their history that they're so proud of that they've been taught and bred to be proud of. So when you break down those walls and you show the fallacy and show the, the hypocrisy, you show the lies, then you know, a lot get very protective, very defensive. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it. They like to they shove their fingers in their ears and go, no, 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 no. I mean, and that's, that's, it's sad, but that's what happens. Um, they, a lot of them, they love to cling to uh, the traditions, what they've believed all their lives. And they, they don't want to think that, Hey, you know, my parents, my school, um, 
you know, everything that I hold dear, especially things that they built their lives or built their philosophies or the morality around. Um, you know, I had a guy who's uh, unfortunately came up in my Facebook memories when I was on this guy's podcast, a high school acquaintance that we used to be, used to be, you know, stronger acquaintances um, until he decided to condone racism. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. But I went on his, I went on his podcast um, and we were talking, you know, about various things. And on, I think it was the episode itself where he was like, well, is it better than it was in the past? And I was like, no, not really. And he was, and he was shocked. He was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, the only, the main difference between then and now is that now it's not, it's not okay. It's not, you know, it's not in vogue to be outwardly racist, you know, pre, you know, civil rights movement. It was in vogue to be outwardly racist. Now it's not. Undercover racist. Yeah. Now, now, now it's, now it's covert instead of overt. But I was like, you, I said, you really think that much has changed in 50 years? Come on. Like we're, we're talking about, we're not even talking about a full generation, man. Like, come on. It's, like, it is true. What, what what are we really talking? I'm like these people. Like these people. Like people. Are like oh, that's you know, oh, that was so long ago. I'm like what are you talking? You talking about my mama? Like <laughs> you talking like you talking about my mama, man? You talking about my parents? Like my parents. My parents were both at least. You know, my my mom was at least was at least ten. My father was like in his preteen or preteens when the Civil Rights Act passed. Mm-hmm. Like my mama is is like a is a year or two older than Ruby Bridges. If y'all don't yeah. know Ruby Bridges, look her up, and hopefully her movie is still on Disney. They may have yanked it by now. And you know you can't read Ruby Bridges books in in certain schools in this country because you know because it makes white people look bad. Well, they were bad. Um, like, but like you're talking about my parents, their time. You're not talking about the. 1700s or the 1600s you're talking about my parents life you know like yeah it's 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 and it's it's wild it's wild how people um you know delude themselves and they and they and they so are so passionate about defending their heroes defending you know these presidents and stuff and defending Confederate statues, people who claim to be Christians defending Confederate statues. I'm like, do, do you think, and I've tried to put it in biblical terms. Do you think the Israelites had statues of the Philistines in their towns or the statue of Assyrians, Romans, Persians, anyone who occupied Israel, which was almost everybody surrounding at one time or another. Um, do you think that they kept statues of those people like what, what sense does that make um i definitely yeah. think that like when it comes to things like the statues and stuff i don't really think that they should be destroyed i think they should be moved to like a centralized sort of like museum that is used to educate the general populace because we definitely don't want to forget that these things happen which america loves to do america as a whole loves to forget its own atrocities oh yeah um, so i think that when it comes to the statues like it should be centralized in an area where we're where we're basically turned into an education center. Like, no, this is our history. This did happen. We need to acknowledge that. I mean, if we even look back, like women's right to vote, that was 1965. My mother was already born. 
Oh, well, when women, women came the right to vote, like women but we like to forget was, that stuff. Women's suffrage was prior to that, but it was still it was still the 1900s. Right. I thought it was 1965. That no, that's still right. Like full on. Uh, that was the civil, that was the civil rights act. Women's suffrage was the oh. near the turn of the century. I'm trying to remember the date. Um, you, you uh, definitely are going to know this better than me. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I'm. Tr- it was the Nineteenth Amendment. Oh my God, I was a history minor. I can't believe I don't remember this, but it has been twenty something years since college. Um, but the suffrage movement started in the late 1800s, like, um, and I think it was around the turn of the century where it finally got passed. So, yeah. Oh, it was 1920. The 20 uh, August, yeah, 18, the August 20. 18th, 1920. It was ratified. Yeah, it was ratified. In the, yeah, in the, in the 20s. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a 45 year difference there. Oh yeah, so I had my dates. Still, but still, it's, it's, it's not that long ago. Yeah, no, and like we, but we like to pretend like it was so far in the past that it doesn't matter, right? And it definitely, like, especially when it comes to uh, religious uh, faith and living and having personal philosophies and then having social philosophies and and really trying to be better as a community it's important to remember all of these things. And when they happen and be like, this was almost yesterday in a time comparison to the rest of the world. Like, and it's really hard to like, to like live well without understanding that there was a very long period where we in fact did not live well. And to this day, we're really not living well as a community. A lot of us are doing it individually, but as a community, as a whole, um, that's a terrific point because living well, in the United States right now is a very segmented concept. Um, and that's because even though America boasts itself to be a melting pot, it, it really isn't. It's a, it's a, it's more of a bento box than a melting pot. Um, you have a lot of different things in the box, but most of those things are not mixed together. So you have your um, immigrants that are looked good upon you know, um, that are here and living well. Then you have your immigrants who are not looked good upon, who are living, who are not living well to a lot of people's standards, but to their standards, they're probably living better than they were. Hence the reason why they came. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have, you know, you have how, you know, particular Asian groups are living well. Um, You have how particular natives are living. And so living well, the, the gauge for that is going to, to vary differently. Um, just, I, you know, for myself as a black person living well, for, you know, um, you know, for me, because not as a black Christian, I should say me living well um, is my goal. My, one of my passions I'm big on is legacy. Um, and particularly because unfortunately, because a lot of the men on my mother's side have not lived um to you know, see very old ages. So mm-hmm. my whole life I've prepared that I have a high potential that I'm going to die younger than, than others. And I am passionate about legacy. Um, I'm proud of what my family and those before me have accomplished. And I want to continue um, that legacy, particularly because it's a, uh, a strong achievement legacy that um, despite, you know, what this country has thrown at us. So I want to, be the, the first that I know of in my family to have left uh, what the Bible says a good man does. And the Bible says a good man leaves uh, inheritance for his children and his children's children. 
so I want to be able to, so when I go, when I, when I shuffle off this mortal coil, that my children and my grandchildren and Lord willing, my great grandchildren will not, will be not, when I say taken care of, not like every thing is all is paid for, for their entire lives, but they are, um, well in position where they are not going to have to struggle the way I struggled and the way my forefathers struggled. They're not, you know, so when they need capital to build a house, build a business, that they will have access, they will be taken care of. They're not going to have to struggle so that they can go above and, you know, so much farther and, and above that I and my forefathers were able to, to do. Uh, that are very that, noble goals. Well, but but it's again for me. It's it's all it's all based on what God says that I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do. That's what that's how God describes a good man, um, and I want to do um, what God says I should do as a as a man uh, who you know caring and loving for my family. That uh, because my ultimate goal individually is to stand before God and hear Him say. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. That's that's what I'm living for, right? Um, and that you know, so that I can leave that legacy on this earth for my kids and my grandkids and etc. So that one day they too will hear those same those same words as well. Like that is what I'm striving for, and that's to tie into like earlier, like how we treat people. That is ultimately what everyone as a Christian. Um, should be striving for is to hear those words and to hear the, those words and to know that those words have been said to people that they, the people that they've interacted with. Um, that I am passionate about, you know, what I do and how I interact with people because despite the fact of what I've lived through, I should, you know, people would, if people knew my whole, people who know my whole story don't understand that don't, no, they do understand because of my Christianity. But if I wasn't a Christian, they would understand why I would just hate most people. Uh, but I don't because I love people because God wired me that way. And because of Christ in me, I don't hate people. And my ultimate goal is to impact people for Christ as much as I can, uh, because I want them to hear those words. I meet people, especially doing what we do for work. Like you can meet a bunch of random people. And, you know, I've met people, I met a guy at Wawa, I stopped using the bathroom, met a dude in Wawa, we had a five minute conversation, you know, and he told me about what God had done for his life and and getting him off of drugs and alcohol. I don't know his brother's name, but, you know, but praise God, you know, I, you know, he stays on the, on the way, I'll see him on the other side. Like Mm -hmm. that is what, you know, and that five minute interaction we had, um, you know, I have no idea how much he has no idea how much that blessed my life. And I have no idea how much that blessed his life. Um, but I, you know, I want those interactions that I have, whether it's for five minutes or for five years or for 50 years, I want those interactions to lead them to a place where they are making a decision for Jesus and living the rest of their life accordingly, because that's ultimately um, as a Christian, what I'm trying to do is, is to live that life. And within that, that comes, you know, things on the uh, more on the physical level, as far as how we treat people, how we do business, how we love our neighbors. I don't care what they believe in. If the person's hungry, 
give them the food. If the person's cold, put a blanket on them, put a roof over their head. Like, um, like, you, you know, CJ, when people, you know, like to, especially, you know, grow like in the nineties and early two thousands, they loved to like, what would you do with a million dollars? If someone gave you $10 million right now, what would you do with it? You know, and people were like, oh, I, I'd buy a car, I'd buy a house, you know, I'd pay off my debt and then maybe go on vacation. And for me, like some of those things would would be, but that's like, that's not what's important for me. Like, I, I know, like if someone said to me, I've got 50, I've got $10 million, what are you going to do with it? I have it listed out, fam. Like, I know what I'm doing. I am doing <laughs> things. I'm dead serious, man. Like. Because I, I try to be prepared. Like, you know, God blesses me with something. Like, I have, you know, you know, we've talked about, you know, screenwriting here and there a little bit. Like, if I start writing the story I'm, I want to do and it blows up and all of a sudden I've got $10 million in my bank account. Dude, I am built. I've got, I know what school I'm trying to build. I know what church I'm trying to build. I know what hospital I'm trying. I want to, I want to start. Like, I, I'm not trying to, like be out here and not impacting my sphere of influence. If I have $10 million, my sphere of influence has just gotten a lot bigger. That's mm-hmm. a lot more souls. I, I, I have the opportunity to, and the, the, the pleasure to touch and interact. And that's a lot more people that I can show Jesus to. Like that is what I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get people, you know, uh, there, there was a story of um, this ministry that was sending Bibles to Russia in like the cold war era. And somehow and one of these Russian people sent like the ministry a letter back and was like, thank you for the Bible and, and such. I appreciate it. Um, but they're like, I'm hungry and I can't eat your Bible. <laughs> and they're not wrong. No, they're not. They, they, like, <laughs> like, like nowhere they're not in the trying Bible, to be funny, but like, wow. No, but but no, yeah, but nowhere in the Bible does it say, "Go give them my go go give them a book. Go give them just words." Like Jesus specifically said, "Go feed the hungry, clothe people, visit prisoners, take care of widows, take care of orphans." And when you do that, if they ask you questions, which they generally do, you can flat out say, I'm doing this because I love you and because God loves you. And that's what all I say when I, when I volunteer, when I help people. And then if they ask more, I'll tell them more. But I don't go out there to, to, to beat the Bible into their head. Or, or I go there because I love people and God has, you know, and if you become a Christian, you should have a love for people and it should be instilled upon in you to just want to help and love people. And for, when people get on the internet and they get on platforms and they talk about how much they hate gays and they hate this and hate that, that's not of God. That's not of Christ. And, you know, I started a, a, an apparel brand called In His Image because that's the first thing God says about us. Very first thing God says about man before he created man is let us create man in our image, in our likeness. And every person, whether they accept or not created in his image needs to be treated as such. They are image bearers of God and they should be respected. They should be loved. They should be honored. If they don't make the choice for God, that is on them. That will be handled between them and God. But on this earth, anyone who claims to be 
uh, a follower of the way that Jesus is in their, lives in their is you know is uh, the Lord of their life. The Holy Spirit lives in, in lives in them and empowers them. There should be no hatred coming from them. You can you can disagree. You can even not like someone's vibe, but there should not be a single bit of hatred that comes from you towards that person. Now, there's a big debate on what hate is and hate is not. That's a different philosophical debate as far as, you know, what people can label as phobia and not phobia. Because um, sometimes this agreement gets called phobia. But any Christian should never be disrespectful, disingenuous, should not just be hating on people who are the same as you. Like the only difference between me and someone outside of the faith is that I have accepted Jesus. That is it. That is the only difference. I, and even and with Jesus, I still struggle to live according to, to his word, but that's the difference. Like every people, so many Christians want to act so high and mighty and you are no different. So many Christians like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Or I wouldn't have been one of those people who, you know, were, were chanting for Barabbas when they had the choice between Barabbas and Jesus. Yes, you would have. People were like, oh, if I was, if I was Adam instead of Adam, or I was Eve instead of Eve, we wouldn't be in this problem. Yes, we would. You would have screwed up just like they did, just like all those other people did. And if you wouldn't have, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for you, but he did because you would have screwed up too. Yeah, because we're humans. We're all humans. Yes, and we and we all have this. We all have a sinful nature. And I'll give you one last. I, I know we're going. I know you do an hour. I know I'm way over because I talk way too much. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give you one hot topic thing here um, that people don't like, and uh, I don't care if people like it because yeah, it's completely fine. This platform is designed for to make people think. Uh, I'm. I encourage uncomfortable topics because. What I hope to leave behind is something that lets people think, lets people consider, and possibly change their lives accordingly. So, so I'm, I'm going to give you something that since we've talked about the queer community a lot, there's this phrase out there, born this way. One side says they're born this way. The other side says you can't be born this way. I'm somewhere, when, when, when people say born this way, they're generally talking about genetics. Genetically, there's no proof that anyone's born that way. However, from a biblical aspect, from a biblical perspective, they are kind of born that way. And let me explain why. After the fall of man, Adam and Eve sin, Eve deceived, Adam willfully sins. All of us are born with a sin nature. Born with a sin nature. So while homosexuality or any sin that falls within the queer aspect is biblically it's sin born with some people are born with proclivities towards other sins than others we call them vices in our language some people vice that one of their big vices is stealing call them kleptomaniacs some people are liars some people are destructive some people you know, some every, people have different vices. A lot of people, the normal, quote unquote, normal vice when it comes to sexual sin is heterosexual sexual sin. Still, mm-hmm. still a sin. Bible lists adultery as an abomination. No one wants to harp on that. They want to harp on the abomination of 
homosexuality when heterosexual sin, fornication, sex outside of marriage, adultery, married and having sex with someone else also listed as an abomination. Born with certain sins that you are going to have a tougher time of resisting than others. Some people don't struggle with lying. They struggle with stealing. Some people don't struggle with sexual sin. They struggle with their words. Maybe they, they, would, they struggle with different areas. Less people struggle with anything being queer than, than lying, stealing and, and, and others. But that doesn't mean they weren't born with that sinful nature. They weren't born with that struggle. They're born with that sinful nature. So when people say they aren't born with it, physically encoding their DNA, there's no way, there's nothing that shows that. But if you are a Christian, you believe that those people are born with a sinful nature. And so, yeah, so they're born with that. And that's something that, so what you shouldn't be saying is, no, you're not born with that. You, they should be saying, yes, you're born in, with a sinful nature. And through the power of Christ, you can overcome that sinful nature. Just like you can overcome stealing, you can overcome lying, you can overcome any heterosexual sinful nature, sinful acts. You can overcome that. You can overcome it all because Jesus said that I have overcome the world. So in Christ, you can overcome it. But don't tell them that they are not born with it because they are, because they're born with a sinful nature. People don't want to hear that. But that's, but that's the Bible. You're born with a sinful nature. It's true. It's what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, you are right. We are at that hour 20 mark. Uh, but before we go, I kind of do want to give you the opportunity to talk about uh, the original Jeep podcast a little bit. Plug that and tell people where they can find you. Sure. Um, well, that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. But if you are a <laughs> if you are a uh, person who loves sports, um, like I am, and you know, former collegiate athlete, um, and you also happen to be a uh, a nerd or geek in some aspect, um, the original Geek Podcast is a podcast you may enjoy. Um, we combine the sports world and the geek world, and uh, we talk about almost anything within sports culture and, and geek culture. So, if you like anime and the NBA. Or if you like the NFL uh, and you're a film nerd, or if you like comic books and you're also a hockey fan, uh, the Original Jeep Podcast is a place you should listen to. Um, at uh, Jeep Nation, which is our our brand, uh, we also have a pro wrestling show, Breaking Ring Rust, if you're a pro wrestling fan. Um, and we're looking to expand into some more segmented shows, but you're for everything in the sports world and geek world, the original geek podcast can be found on, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, um, pretty much anywhere, you know, podcast can be found. Um, if you're listening to this and you're a black Christian and you also happen to be a nerd and you want to check out for Christ for the culture, that is our Facebook group. It's open. Um, it's just a safe place for black folk to be black folk um, and for black folk, black Christians to be black Christians without having to deal with the pushback um, that you can either get for being Christian and being, being a nerd and for being black um, and, or just for being black. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, man. Uh, you you have a lot of projects going on. That's awesome that you have all this stuff and like these various communities and different platforms that you have available for, you know, all these different things uh, for people to be 
part of a community meet because there's a lot of us out here who who feel like we're not part of anything and and, and struggle to find like-minded people so it, it's nice to see that there's some platforms out here where you're, you're offering a space for those people well, absolutely because i you know i love people and i can't say that i love people if i'm not doing anything to to show that i love people yeah 100 percent. and honestly dude, thank you so much for for coming on the show today uh really saved my bacon like i said i've been struggling to find uh religious leaders and you know, professionals in the field to come talk about this stuff with me. And a lot of this stuff is polarizing and maybe they are nervous about the potential clapback from some of the things they're going to say, but like, you know, people, religion is religion. The books say what the books say, and you may not agree with it. Um, but this isn't a platform about putting stuff out here that I'm, I'm aiming to put to a, a group of people just so I can agree with everybody. You know, I've said it time and time again in inside of posts uh, when I put up the trigger warnings that I don't censor these things. I don't, the only thing I'm going to, uh, the only thing I wouldn't allow on here is blatant hatred, you know, or, you know, things that, you know, uh, condone like acts against children and things like that. Like I wouldn't allow that. But when it comes to, you know, faith and philosophy and and the views held within this is a space for us to learn about those things and to think about them so it's not my job to censor those things it's my job to show them to you um well i appreciate you inviting me like i said um it it's it's my pleasure um i really enjoy as you can tell interacting and communicating and i love the opportunity to discuss philosophy and i appreciate you inviting me not just to be on but to listen to your to your show because the uh the rabbi uh last week and then the gentleman um when he talked about you know suicide things uh, the week before mm-hmm. uh were both fantastic listens and i was really um blessed by their ability to share you know their their stories and what they are have and are currently going through hey you know i appreciate you listening to that and uh, just, I'll give you my own recommendation. Now, leave CJ a review. Let leave this man's <laughs> reviews. Give him some stars on Spotify. Give him, leave him some uh, reviews on Apple. Come on, man. like this, this, this podcast. It's not going like he said. It's not for everybody. But leave this man some reviews, people, please. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, but uh, yeah, like you know. The G, uh, the original Geek podcast is is a lot of fun. Like I'm not I'm not personally into sports, but I still am really enjoying listening to your episodes. So you're actually able to reach an audience that doesn't necessarily relate to your interests, but still providing entertainment on that level. Um, well, I appreciate that. It warms my heart. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, once again, man, thank you so much for being out here today. And to the rest of the listeners out there, if you want to reach out to us, we're at philosophatalk at gmail.com. And we're always here waiting to listen. Live well. <laughs>